passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. They say, uh... I say nothing lasts forever. I think they're wrong. Because the legacy of The Undertaker will live on eternally. So now I give you the dead man, the phenom. Ladies and gentlemen, The Undertaker! Welcome, everybody, to the Survivor Series post-show. My name is Wei Ting, and I am joined here by a couple of our longtime friends here at Post Wrestling. Of course, uh, for people who might not have been paying attention over the past week, John Pollock has taken a break right now because he has a brand new baby at home evie flora pollock is resting at home the entire family i'm sure watching survivor series bidding farewell to the undertaker uh so in john's place we brought out mike murray mike murray how are you doing i'm doing great hi everybody how's it going congratulations to john if he's gonna listen to this because i haven't spoken to him since the uh big announcement and joining mike murray Another longtime friend of the show and a longtime friend of Mike Murray's as well. WH Park, live from Toronto this time. What's going on, WH? Not much way. I, I can't believe I'm still awake after watching that show. But, uh, <laughs> you know, by the way, I should say congratulations to John and his family. I, I did actually speak to him privately, like on the DMs. Uh, he seems he's doing fine, but maybe just a little busy. But congratulations to him and his family. And I'm, I'm very happy to be on here with you and Mike. Well, um, I I wonder how happy you're going to be for the rest of the show, because this one is really unusual. First of all, let me just say how this came together. Mike, you actually, you know, you're really nice and volunteering to help out, knowing that John was going to take some time off. And, you know, I know you keep up, at least, Mike, with like, you know, uh, WWE from time to time anyway. Yep. Now, WH, I don't, I can't really say the same for you. What What has been your main roster consumption since January when we last spoke to you about it? Um, listening to Rewind to Raw and Rewind to SmackDown, and that's about it. Otherwise, I do not watch WWE main roster because I think it's absolute fucking shit. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm I'd be really curious to to know your take for this one because I think there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, might feel the same way as you. So you know, I'll, obviously, I watch something. I watch it all in depth, pretty much every single week, more in depth than probably you know ninety nine percent of the population. Mike, maybe a little bit more casual. WH, completely maybe unaware other than maybe hearing the conversations on, on, online. So we're gonna have slightly three three different takes about this uh, this show going into this show. How much uh, perhaps of the lead up programming have either of you uh, paid attention to, Mike? 
Uh, I was on sabbatical from Vince. I thought Vince and I weren't working out very well. It wasn't me. It was him. Um, so when John and you guys asked me to fill in, I'm like, you know what? For you guys, I'm going to break my sabbatical. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to know what's going on. I've been keeping tabs on it. You know, as, as any wrestling fan, even when you are not watching, you have an idea of what's going on in a lot of the different companies. So I was prepared. It was... It was it was Survivor Series, right? Which is, I think is really you know traditionally been, especially the last let's say twenty years, like one of the the weakest of the big four. Yeah, it's certainly a pillar show. Wh, I, I trust that you you're going into this completely cold. Yeah, I, I kind of thought, why not? I just I haven't been keeping up since maybe like what Hell in the Cell. I watched that pay per view. I, I kind of liked it for the most part, but I thought, you know what, it'll be fine. Go in this without knowing anything about any of the storylines, any of the matches going in. Like I kind of had an idea of some of the main matches, like the, like it's all champions versus champions and things like that. But otherwise I, I had no idea about the Lana storyline. I had no idea about like what's going on with the fucking Mysterio family and, and like the fucking Dawson's Creek bullshit there, whatever. <laughs> so it, it was uh, illuminating some of the stuff that I got to see on, on uh, WWE uh, Survivor Series. So I, I I suppose for you maybe I don't know what what was the biggest draw for this show if you if you were simply watching it as a fan. In what way? Like what would what would like make me not want to watch anymore? No 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 no. What would make you want to watch it? Was there anything that would have made you decide to do that? Honestly, I, I I do actually like the women's division. I do think like the the Bailey Sasha stuff in the last month or so has been really good. I, and I like I think the best thing I saw tonight was the Oscar versus Sasha match and and I kind of like some of the stories that were happening in the women's Survivor Series match a lot more than the men's Survivor Series match I thought that was fucking dull like it was like watching paint dry almost and and like all these goofy guys okay, let's, save, who let's save let's save it let's save the all material right. for the actual <laughs> review Mike uh were you excited about this like Undertaker thing you know was that any sort of hook for you I, uh, I mean, I was wanting to see what was going to happen. I'm not sure I believe any of it. And then at the end, I was kind of, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. That's, that we'll get to it. I mean, uh, I was, I was interested in the, uh, the, the Drew versus Roman match going into it. I'd like to see how they were, they were going to pull it off. And again, we'll get to that as well. So let's jump right into it right now. Uh, people have been waiting in the chat room long enough. Uh, we start off here on the kickoff. Did you guys watch the kickoff? And it's okay yep. if you didn't. Okay. I watched the tail end of the Battle Royal. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's just go through some of the highlights of the kickoff itself. We have Kayla in the backstage area with Paul Heyman. Uh, Kayla wants to know if Heyman wants to retract an earlier statement he made that Drew McIntyre is merely a title holder and not a real champion like Roman. Heyman wants to double down on the statement. He says Roman is the champion. Drew is the guy who only holds the title when people want to take a photo and Roman is too busy. He's a babysitter for the belt while Roman makes the championship. You see Bianca Belair and Natalia on the panel. Bianca says Natalia calls herself the boat. And what's the most famous boat that she knows? The Titanic, Natalia says. Bianca says, exactly. Natty says, well, the Titanic made lots of money. So, uh, do you know what the boat stands for, WH? Um, no, but please enlighten me. The best of all time. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Sammy Zayn shows up. He's about to go off on the U.S. He's been doing some great work, I have to say, on Twitter. Um, basically kind of like 
running this feud in, entirely by himself against Bobby Lashley, really just using it as an excuse to criticize the United States because, of course, he is the intercontinental champion about to face the U.S. champion tonight. Uh, he's about to go off of the U.S. here at this panel, but JBL, of course, is there. And JBL asks, do you have something against the U.S.? Sammy preferred not to get into it because they had to rush to get to a commercial break. But boy, would I have loved a political debate <laughs> between JBL and Sami Zayn on this kickoff. Our truth is in the back. He's made his own tribute to the 30th anniversary of the superstar that we're celebrating tonight. And then we see a video tribute to the gobbledygooker who made his debut 30 years ago uh, on Survivor Series. He brings the gobbledygooker out. As Akira Tozawa shows up, there's a big scuffle, and the gobbledygooker ends up being the 24-7 champion on the kickoff here. Um, uh, no, Any analysis about our technically our first match? Um, no? Was, I laughed. It was complete fucking stupidity. I mean, sure. <laughs> Mike laughed. Mike laughs at a lot of things, just so people know that. But, you know. I've gotten soft in my old age. I thought it was I thought it was funny. Okay. The guy if bring it back to Gobbledygooker. Uh, I, it was I think worth your mustache is funny, but you know, I told you yeah, that yesterday. You <laughs> Alrighty. Um our dual brand battle royal consisted of Murphy, Rey Mysterio, Dominic, Miz, Morrison, Ricochet, Cedric, Apollo, Ziggler, Elias, Kalisto, Cedric, Shinsuke Nakamura, Humberto Carrillo, Robert Roode, Shelton Benjamin, Angel Garza, Jeff Hardy, and Chad Gable. Throughout the match, there's a big spotlight put on Dominic here. Uh, he first eliminates John Morrison, then he eliminates Dolph Ziggler, and one by one, everybody is gone. Our final four consists of Miz, Jeff Hardy, Chad Gable, and Dominic as Gable eliminates Hardy. Miz then delivers the yes kicks to Dominic. He's about to throw him over, but Dominic manages to escape. So at this point, Miz manages to end up lying on the apron. He rolls back in, but Dominic meets him with the baseball sl slide that sends him out. Dominic ends up eliminating Gable after a 619. Uh, Dominic thinks he's won. He starts celebrating, but the bell doesn't sound. But out comes the Miz from behind. And what had happened was because the Miz was on the apron and he rolled back into the ring before being baseball slid outside by Dominic, he technically recovered before his under the bottom rope ejection. So Miz was still very much in play and he eliminates Dominic for the win in about 12 minutes. Mike, what'd you think of the match? It was pretty weak. I mean, there's a lot of people in this match, you know, that could be doing a lot better stuff, I think, that are just getting wasted. Um, the big spotlight on Dominic was, uh, you know, my daughter and I were watching it and she was like, I think I think he's going to win. I think I think Mysterio's kid's going to win. I mean, Don Ray was out in like, what, the first two minutes, maybe of this match. It was crazy. Quick. Like yeah. they had all these guys. It was what did you say? Twelve minutes altogether. Mm -hmm. Dominic 619 is it's not good. It is not good at all. WH. Well, let me just say, I want to express my elation when I turned this on and, and Shorty G was gone and, and Chad Gable was back in a singlet. I was so happy to see that. And then, then I watched the rest of this battle Royal and, and I had to ask myself, why is the Miz the only person in this battle Royal? As far as I could tell, like, but the, by the point I joined in, he's wearing a t-shirt, he's wearing a raw t-shirt. And I thought, you know, that's a rhetorical question because I know the answer is because he's a fucking geek. He's a fucking company man nerd. So he's going to wear that fucking T-shirt. The other thing I wanted to ask you as, uh, you know, like Dominic Mysterio, his gear's got the, he's got his initials, <laughs> DM, but it's in the font of like the Pesh mode. 
And I want to know if, if Don Mascaro is <laughs> a Depeche Mode fan. You should ask your brother to take a look at that font because I know your brother's a big Depeche Mode fan. Huge. And, and and the thing is, is this guy's costume. He looks like he's he's wearing a third rate like fucking Halloween costume for the, for the first X Men movie. But oh, like he God. bought it from fucking Don Quixote down in Shibuya in Tokyo. And <laughs> and what is with this kid's running? He looks like he's he's got like fucking lead in his feet. Seriously, like the way he and I thought, okay, it's just this one time he ran the ropes and and, and he's like he looks like he's running in place with like lead. But no, every fucking time he's running and it looks like he's like standing still, but he's actually moving. It's 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 unbelievable. It's like he's breaking the laws of physics way. It's incredible. You know, the, uh, all observations that I didn't didn't really come to mind when I, <laughs> I was watching the match. Um, I I never paid attention to the man's running. What do you mean? Like, no, what? I I agree totally. You're That's the it. first thing. Yeah, like he's he's really stiff, and it's like he's trying to count his steps of how long it's going to take him to get from place to place. Gotcha. Okay. Well, maybe is that is that some sort of beginner's thing? You know that you think may, might be it's it's really know. obvious like with the 619 that's what really stood out for me is because he went for it once he didn't get it and then he tried it again it's like he's he's like in his head counting like before he goes for it how long it's supposed to take him to get there wait i guarantee you, next time you watch this kid wrestle he's running the ropes you're not you're not going to be able to unsee the fucking lead in his feet okay lead in his feet in the depeche mode font okay i'll, I'll be sure to look for it uh what did you guys think of, about the miz being given this one who cares? Not a surprise. It's a, yeah. it's a fucking it's a fucking kickoff show <laughs> with a fucking battle royal <laughs> with a bunch of dorks in it, and it's like, all right, uh, he wins. Who cares? It's the Miz. Well, what here, does it mean? Here's the thing, okay? Like, uh, what is it? John Cena on Friday suggested that oh, this would have been a good spot for somebody like Lars Sullivan to really get you know some good shine. You know, being a a, a monster to, to to feed everybody. I would have even said the same thing about Dominic Mysterio coming out of this. You know, with yep. with something to to brag about. I think they gave it to The Miz to perhaps just remind you that the guy is still somewhat in play for tonight because he holds the money in the bank briefcase. But I don't know if like that was honestly if, if you needed something like this to do that. I don't I don't know if you maximize the value of even a small battle royal like this on The Miz. I agree. I mean, him winning means nothing. There wasn't a payoff at the end of the show. Somebody else could have got more out of it, I think, than The Miz. Baron Corbin is with Kevin Owens in the back. Corbin's trying to convince Owens to take his lead tonight. Owens says no. Billy Kay comes out. He offers Baron Corbin her headshot and resume, citing her psychology studies in university, and Baron Corbin doesn't care. Um, I would try to make sense of this gimmick for, for both of you guys. I cannot do that. I can't imagine what was going through uh, either of your heads um, seeing Billy Kay. A- any thoughts on this at all? No, I missed it. I was helping somebody brush their teeth. Which was probably a better two minutes spent. It's, it's, pro- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it was probably uh, brushing someone's teeth is probably more interesting than what I saw. It's just like, okay, she's got a resume. Sounds like me looking for a job recently, but uh, I'd have to, you know, send out resumes to, to to good old Mike here. He just said, "Hey, it's WH." Oh yeah, yeah. We have not updated people yet. You guys are colleagues now. Well, kind of. Yeah, he's just, I say he's more like a slave driver. And I'm like the the the, the poor recipient of his Aww. of his of his uh, of his arduous uh, task mastering. Mike, are you, are you, any response? Oh yeah, I got nothing for him. In fact, I got no work for him next week either. So it's cool. Convenient. <laughs> We're in lockdown. How did that happen? <laughs> 
Uh, I'd, I'd love to know, like, just the interactions that you two might have at, at Mike's bookstore. Um, I try and keep, I try and stay away from him. I just send him to the second floor. <laughs> it's true. It's wonderful. I love the second floor. I don't deal with all the crazy people on the first floor. We go to the start of the pay-per-view itself with a men's Survivor Series match. And on Team Raw, we've got AJ Styles, Riddle, Strowman, Keith Lee, Sheamus take it on Team SmackDown, consisting of Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. Keith Lee walks out to his new music, which I later learned is sort of a remix of his old theme from The Independence called Ground Zero. Uh, it, what did you think of the song? I mean, I don't even know if you guys would have that much of a basis of a comparison, but... Um, any any did you pay attention even to to this new music i wasn't sure if this was the new music that everyone was complaining about from like two months ago no or this this was the new theme right yeah so because i i didn't find it that bad i mean it's not as good as i think the the nxt theme but Mm -hmm. i agreed not as good as as the cfo song but i mean infinitely better than the generic song he was using okay aj Sorry, WH, of course, your thoughts? No, I, like, I just thought, oh, it's like a song. I don't know. I didn't think it was anything special. But sorry. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> AJ Styles <laughs> proclaims himself the captain of the team, but he's cut off by Riddle, who walks out, of course. Uh, on commentary for the night, we have Cole's, uh, Cole Graves, Joe, uh, and then they would switch off you know, one by one with, with the various members of the SmackDown team with, uh, what is it, Byron and Tom Phillips. They jump in later as well. Uh, so we start off with the pairing of AJ and Jey Uso. Then we have Matt, uh, Riddle and Otis. Owens is in there with Riddle for the first time. And then he starts immediately targeting Matt Riddle's bare feet. As Rollins squares off with Sheamus after he first tags in, Rollins turns to his corner and says, For the greater good. Rollins gets to his knees, tells tells Sheamus, Do your part, and then eats a brogue kick before allowing himself to be pinned. And the only person whose uh, analysis I really want for this, uh, of course, is uh, W.H. Park. What, <laughs> what was going through your head when you watched this? What, with Seth, like, you know, doing the job for, yeah. for Sheamus there? Yes. Well, I, I guess it's part of his, his new SmackDown gimmick of the, the greater good. I, I have no idea what that means. I, he's got a nice jacket that he wears to the ring, though. I, I, I do like that leather jacket. But I have a question for you, Way. Like, at the beginning, like, I think it was Michael Cole, he said, the award-winning, critically acclaimed Thunderdome. And I want to know, <laughs> what fucking award did the Thunderdome win? Oh, it's got to be one of those like technological marketing things like that. Like, I don't know. They talk about in marketing magazines or something and, like that. And, and which critic has acclaimed this, uh, this Thunderdome? I want to know. Was it you? Was it John? Was it Dave Meltzer? Was it Wade Keller? I want to know. It's probably okay, Benno. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you exactly what they won. They won the Virtual Fan Experience of the Year Award at the 2020 Sportel Awards. So, Who else is up for it? Uh, what were the nominees? <laughs> virtual van fan experiences. Um, God, I don't know, man. Like some theme park thing. So I, I had uh, Nora was watching the show with me. Um, my youngest oh, daughter, okay. seven. Okay, so at the beginning, she was helping me with my notes. I've got AJ is a jerk from Nora, and Rollins is a butthead. He only cares about himself. <laughs> What what are you talking about? He only he took a pinfall here. Ate a broke. That was before. I'm like my 
Nora's analysis of a character is way off mark. Well, way yeah. off mark, I think. Well, obviously. So I guess did she have a change of heart when she saw Rollins do this? No, no. I also have a, I don't know if you saw a note. I also have a note she wrote in my thing. It says, um, poop AJ Styles as well. That wouldn't mm, later on. So. I agree. So as the rest of Team SmackDown regroups on the floor, Braun Strowman charges and knocks them all down. Keith Lee and Otis face off as the two heavies of the team. You have some repeated shoulder blocks from Lee, but Otis doesn't go down. They both attempt to pick the other up for big moves, but they each escape. At this point, Kevin Owens comes in. He hits three stunners on all the members of Team Raw, but AJ immediately responds with a phenomenal forearm to eliminate him, giving Team Raw a 5-3 to three advantage. Corbin is in next. Pele from AJ, then a floating bro from Riddle eliminates Corbin. Team Raw is now out, now up five to two. We get a bro kick from Sheamus to Jey Uso for two. Hot tag to Otis, who lays everybody else uh, out, putting him face to face with Braun. Otis manages to lift and slam Braun, and then attacks him with the caterpillar but then a distraction from riddle allows braun to power slam him for the elimination so at this point jay uso is the only member of team smackdown alive it's five on one jay is about to splash aj but jordan pulls him to the side jay is about to splash aj again but this time lee tags himself in catches jay mid-air lifting him up into a spirit bomb to pin jay uso at 1925 a clean sweep for team raw five to nothing. What do you think of the match, Mike? It was fine. I mean, it was what it was. Uh, going into it, I don't think people expected a lot. Uh, I thought they had a chance to do some good stuff, maybe with Otis and Keith Lee, uh, that didn't really come through. And it sure didn't make uh, SmackDown look great, that's for sure. WH. Well, I, I like the end with like Jay going like the distance and then getting pinned by uh, Keith. That was a very impressive spear bomb that he turned it into. But I, I gotta, I have to, I have a lot of takes on this Otis guy. Uh, so he's the <laughs> blue collar superstar, correct? And and his ring entrance gear is like he's a trucker. Is he a trucker now? Is this my question? Um. You, we don't exactly know what profession, uh, what blue collar profession I think he, he currently he, he has or had. Uh, but the idea is to convey, yeah, some sort of generic like, yeah, he might be a construction worker. It might be a trucker. So at some point he starts gesticulating like his hips. And I just thought this is the grossest thing I've seen in a long time. And I just wanted my TV to stop because it was gross. And and Otis is just baffles me because he's not very good. He does the caterpillar, which is stupid. Um, he looks like he looks like the guy down in Florida who's like going to every fucking bar without wearing a mask because he doesn't believe in COVID, which is probably like half his coworkers in the fucking WWE, anyways. But I, I cannot get behind why. I, I think it's a rib. I think this whole this whole Otis push and him being on this show is a rib against me. I think Vince McMahon was like. I hear that WH guy is going to be on this 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 review show, and I'm going to put Otis front and center in this match, and I'm, I'm going to and I'm just going to torment him with this this disgusting human being who like I just can't stand. Like he doesn't belong in wrestling. Anyways, that's it. His push is actually I would say like greatly diminished since like earlier this year when he won like Money in the Bank. He was really kind of front and center in a lot of major storylines on Raw, and um. I certainly understand maybe some of those criticisms that you just laid out, but the man is a, is a character that connects with a lot of uh, people. I mean, namely Vince McMahon, I would say, 
not so much in a main event role, uh, which is, I think, where every it, they kind of went too far for everybody when he actually held the money in the bank briefcase. In this, you could definitely even argue that like having him here be the second to last person might have been too big of a push for him. But in the end, it almost doesn't really matter. Like, in fact, this whole match only seemed to serve as like a way to set Jey Uso up to face ramifications for Roman Reigns later on, uh, which I think obviously very disappointing for the rest of Team SmackDown. Um, and Team Raw, their story going into this was that they couldn't get along. And yet here, they end the match completely undefeated and um, celebrating uh, after getting at, you know, be, being at odds with each other all, all month. So we shall see what the follow-up is there. Um, but yeah, for the rest of these guys on Team SmackDown, definitely no no real ramifications at all. In fact, I, I, I trust that they will just use it to end up feuding with one another. Um, there's also a possibility that this might have just been Seth Rollins' write-off. He's uh, been yeah. on his way out. So we shall see if he returns. New Day take on the Street Profits after this. The New Day arrive with Big E. And John Zeno and I had talked about this on uh, Friday where I think we had both you know discussed like, whether or not he would show up because this was a du- dual-branded show. I was personally a little bit disappointed that they had them all come out together because I think a big reunion at a more, you know, uh, important point in Biggie's career would have meant a little bit more. But when you see the reason why they would have come out here, you maybe understand why, because they come out wearing custom gears of war, like battle suits to promote the three of them being in the video game. So perhaps those, what did you think WH of these outfits? Well, without knowing the context that they're in this video game, the new Gears of War, I I thought, wow, they look like nerds. And, you know, that's what they are. They are a bunch of nerds, right? That's their whole gimmick with the Mm -hmm. up, up, down, down gimmick and 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 the pancakes and all that shit um i was fine with knowing the context that they're, they're promoting a video game sure it looks fine but like you know the the trombone as like the the chainsaw you know machine gun thing that you know that they use in gears of war yeah, it's fine yeah, sure why not backstage dawkins beatboxes the undertaker's theme as he and montez ford launch into a big promo about the undertaker they're talking about the people he's beaten like Shawn michaels diesel taker kane or, or uh, triple h and kane they say that they're here to build their own legacy by beating the new day uh and they're not here to be past the torch they're here to take it um any thoughts on the promo mike i thought it was good I thought it uh, was entertaining. I mean, we're already here. We're waiting for the match. So I'm not sure what the point of having a promo is. We've already paid for the show. We know what's going to happen. But we did get the beatbox skills. So plus and minus. Totally agree with you. I thought it was very entertaining. But I thought, in fact, it went a little bit long, you know, for a pay-per-view. And and probably kind of unnecessary. um, Or would have been better served on the the go-home show. Sure. Um, so we get into the match. Kofi tags in with Montez Ford, which the announcers kind of promote as this sort of big dream pairing of two incredibly like high jumping guys. Kofi delivers a big dive onto Ford on the outside as Woods lays Dawkins out. And this leads to the new day gloating as Kofi lays on the apron, sipping from a red cup before kicking it away. So they're working a little bit more heelish in this match. They're, uh, they're, they're working over Ford's midsection. We get a hot tag to Dawkins who hits this really cool looking double underhook twisting suplex to Woods. Double team moves from both teams leads to a few near falls. We get the anointment from Dawkins and then from the heavens from Ford from the profits. But Ford's midsection is injured, so he can't can't immediately go for the pin. So Kofi kicks out at two. SOS from Kofi is broken up. 
Ford hits his own trouble in paradise onto Kofi, then a gut buster from Woods for two, and finally, a combination blockbuster electric chair drop from the Prophets leads to the Prophets winning at 1340, pinning Xavier Woods. What'd you think of the match, WH? Yeah, I like this match, actually. I, I really like the way the New Day worked it in terms of being like kind of like you're saying the more heelish team because they're the they're the veterans. So like I like the idea of like, um, especially Xavier Woods, I thought he did a really good job of like cutting off the ring and just working at like a classic Southern style tag match and and just getting the heat on on Montez Ford, who I, who I love. I love that guy. He's so charismatic and he's so talented, so athletic. So I, I think there's a lot of upside to this guy and hopefully they don't ruin him like they do so many other people, but um, yeah, I, I just, I thought this is the first, this is the second match in like, and I thought this is okay. It's going to make up for that men's tag survivor series match. And so like, okay, I, I can get into this, into this show. If, it, if most of this, the rest of the show is, is like this. Mike. I thought it was fine. I like the way that the new day started it out. Uh, you know, pulling them in, be a little bit more heelish, the, the sort of veteran, team against the newer team and then you know the right guys probably went over at the end right give them a little bit of a shine from the older team the veteran team it was fine they did the respect stuff at the end it was a decent match i i enjoyed the match yeah not maybe necessarily a match that is like you know going to be talked about all that much but i think it served its purpose of you know, maybe not necessarily passing the torch, but building, I would say, a good rivalry. Like, the New Day aren't necessarily a team that is on their way out. Not at all. I think they still have several years left in them. So it's not like um, like a, like these veterans that kind of, like, um, you know, are, won't be heard from again. This, to me, just seems like maybe the start of a longer rivalry at some point when these two teams might be uh, on the same brand, for instance. So they shake hands, they hug afterwards, uh, and everybody's happy. Sami Zayn takes on Bobby Lashley up next, and all three members of the Hurt Business surround the ring, joining Bobby Lashley. Lashley dominates Sami. Sami continually wants to leave the match, but the rest of the Hurt Business prevent him from doing so. Lashley hits a delayed vertical suplex to Sami Zayn, and as Sami tries to retreat to the ropes, he begins complaining to the referee about vertigo, which... I don't know if this would have clicked with like either of you, but this was a callback to their first feud when Sami... Um, complained about suffering vertigo uh, from as a result of a delayed vertical suplex, which led to him basically kind of cowering and uh, not entering a match uh, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he did not show up for that match uh, because he complained about vertigo. So kind of amusing here. It's glad they, they explained it to us so we knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Sammy uh, attempts to... T- this time it's, of course, again a ruse, and Sammy tries to take advantage, but Lashley quick- quickly stops it, regaining control. Uh, Sammy finally gets the advantage by sending Lashley into the post. He tries to remove a turnbuckle pad, but Shelton stops him. Sammy again attempts to retreat, but he falls over MVP's shoe and then immediately tries to complain about MVP interfering to try to get himself... Uh, DQ'd or, or to try to get himself a win through DQ. Uh, the referee does not listen to him, so MVP throws Sammy back into the ring, right into the hurt lock from Lashley for the win at 7 minutes 50 seconds. It was a total destruction of Sammy Zayn, uh, though, of course, that is the character. He gets destroyed and he complains about it. And his out at the end of this match is that he is complaining that he was tripped by MVP intentionally and that he is deserving of a DQ victory. What did you think of the match, Mike? 
I think it was fine for what it was. That that character, this sort of kind of match we've seen for years in WWF and WWE. Uh, it was kind of odd seeing, you know, sort of a four on one of faces sort of beating down on like the cowardly heel. But even though was, like even though like I gotta give the, it a thumb. Even though like the okay. business themselves are I think are are typically heels. I think they're still yeah. they definitely still are heels on Raw. Um yeah. But in this match, Sammy was definitely more of the heel. Um, although they were both heels. What did you like, WH? Yeah, I didn't like this match very much. I, I thought it was actually incredibly dull because I don't think Bobby Lashley has very good chemistry with Sammy Zayn I don't, like, and vice versa. Um, was this a yeah, match where, where they could have even displayed it, though? I mean, it was really just a one-sided destruction, wasn't it? Yeah, well, like, I don't see what the point is with that with Sammy Zayn because I think that guy is so super talented and... He's just wasted in this kind of a role. Like I, I don't mind if he was like like him being a heel or anything like that, or even like the cowardly heel. But I, I do think it's it the way it it's it's done is to purposely make him look bad, you know, because they I, I really feel like my my theory is that they really don't like him in the WWE and they just they just keep him around so he doesn't go to AW because you know he'd get a contract. Like as soon as he's as he leaves the WWE, he's gonna go to AW. But I- I disagree. I think Vince loves the guy. I think he gets a real kick out of it. Maybe, yeah, sure. Maybe some of it is because he loves to see him like somewhat get embarrassed. But I think he he if he didn't entertain Vince McMahon, I don't think he'd he'd be holding a title. Like, but in a situation like this, I'll tell you. Like, I don't know if like you said you saw what is it the the last um the last pay per view. Right? Did you see the the ladder match that that he was involved in? no he was in a ladder match with aj and uh, uh uh jeff hardy and he was like he had an incredibly clever spot in it where he chained uh he was it handcuffed jeff hardy's earring to the ladder and somehow won the match via like those sort of shenanigans and that to me is like this character of Sami Zayn at his best he's incredibly cowardly he's a conspiracy theorist uh who bullshits a lot but in the end, he's still smart and wise. And you got none of that in this match, unfortunately. It was no. just kind of him getting destroyed. And I I, I got to say, this U.S. title belt, this new design is god-awful gaudy. And it's like, it it boggles my mind because like I think the new IC title looks actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the same company that that has this as one of their championship belts has this monstrosity of like, you know, like, trumpism that's what that belt is like it's like that's like that's like a mega belt but it's not thankfully it's not worn by a mega i hope probably probably less it's not a mega but anyways we don't know we don't know anyways yeah. but anyways it's a it's a god-awful ugly belt and may, maybe the ugliest belt in that company okay do you agree mike uh no the 24 7 is worse no that's not a real belt <laughs> Jay and Jimmy Uso are standing outside Roman Reigns' office. Roman says he doesn't care if it was a one-on-one. Jay uh, has no excuse for losing. He tells Jimmy to leave and then tells Jay that he lost because his team doesn't respect him. And if they don't respect him, then they don't respect their family. And if they don't respect their family, then he doesn't have a place at the table. He says he doesn't have time for losers and tells Jay to get out of here. Asuka versus Sasha Banks. There's some nice chain wrestling to start from these two early on with Sasha rolling into arm bars, to short arm scissors, to the bank statement. Sasha opens the ropes for Asuka, who sends her to the floor with a hip attack before leading to Asuka opening the ropes for Sasha in return. 
Asuka takes control with some big kicks. They fight to the floor. Sasha attempts a Meteora from the barricade, but Asuka blocks it with her own Codebreaker. Back in the ring, both are very evenly matched with a bunch of near falls. Pace now picks up here, with Banks going for a backstabber to Asuka for two. She applies the bank statement, but Asuka reverses it to the Asuka lock. They tangle into the ropes. Codebreaker from Asuka for two. More near falls. Asuka runs the ropes for a big kick and then a final shot. But Sasha catches her in one final roll-up for the win. 13 minutes, 5 seconds. So Sasha Banks scores her first pinfall on Asuka because if you remember when she won the title from her, it was via count-out. Uh, WHU already kind of uh, talked a little bit of, about the match, but let, let, let us know uh, your full thoughts here. Yeah, I, I love this match. I thought it was the best thing on the whole show. Um, I'm a big fan of Sasha Sasha Banks, and I think her recent run has been really great. And and she was awesome, by the way, in the Mandalorian. If you haven't seen her episode, go check it out. It's really good. Mm-hmm. But like, I think she's just gotten better since she she's like in the last little while, especially like the stuff she was doing with Bailey when they were teaming and they were the tag champions, and then from the subsequent breakup to this, and and also it's just been consistently solid to fucking excellent for years now. And these two have excellent chemistry. And what I was really impressed with is like the submissions and transitions that Sasha was doing. Cause like everyone knows like Oscar is really good at that stuff anyways. They've always seen it, but like, I don't ever, I never thought of like Sasha's really as a submission wrestler uh, beforehand. And, but I was just like watching her in, in this match. And I was like, Oh my gosh, she's gotten so smooth. You, you know, she's been like, you know, training with people probably like Drew Gulak and people like that. And, and whoever else is like available. Like one thing I respect about her is that she's always willing to learn. And she doesn't just rest on her laurels from before. Like I got to get better. I want to like learn new things and make my matches more, you know, innovative and, and fresher than the stuff I was doing the year before. That's the impression I get from Sasha. And I, and I respect that about her. Mike. No, I thought this was the best match also of the night. Uh, and definitely the best wrestled match. Uh, the transitions, you know, you guys have both touched on it. were really good. Uh, I think when you have someone like Oscar that can go in so many different directions, maybe compared to some of the other people in the, in the women's roster, you know, that has that such deep background, you know, Sasha can pull out great stuff, right? I like both these women. I think they're both great. I thought it was an excellent match. Like these are two of the arguably like of the best women in the company right now. Uh, I think having about as good of a match as I've seen them have together and WH absolutely right. Like I think Sasha's really evolved as a, not just as a character, but as a wrestler over the course of the, this run that she's returned in, and um, it's been really exciting to see, you know, uh, because she's she's just always showing slightly new wrinkles to her game. And uh, I think giving her the win here, absolutely appropriate because um, she's just been on fire, like in all aspects of of the business right now. So um, there's no friendly hug after this. Sasha kind of gloats as she walks to the back, leaving Asuka looking very shocked and disappointed. And Graves alludes to what this might mean for Asuka on Monday. So, um, you know, uh, a different type of story for Asuka, who for the longest time has been very dominant champion, this time suffering a, a clean loss. So we shall see uh, what that results in for her. The gobbledygooker finds a trail of bird feed and out from a crate emerges Akira Tozawa and as well a ninja who ends up uh, counting the pinfall for Akira Tozawa to win the 24-7 championship. And as he celebrates, R-Truth emerges, decks Tazawa with a bag of birdseed, and the ninja ref counts in Japanese just for you, WH, as R-Truth wins the title 
back. Uh, please uh, have all the time you need to, to talk about this one. First of all, as soon as I saw the gobbledygooker, I tweeted out, this can go fuck off. I, it is so stupid. Anyways, my theory about this ninja referee is that maybe it's Jiro, Ikiman Kuroshiro, the jacket-wearing goofball that I hate, and that he's now in America because there was a picture tweeted out of him and, like, Kurt Stallion hanging out. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's out of Japan. He's in America. He's in the WWE Performance Center. I'll never have to watch his matches ever again. It's It was, like, a happy day for me, Way, But that's my theory. I, I, that's, that's what I hope his new role is, is the ninja ref for Kira Tozawa. And then, you know... You, you actually thought this was a Japanese person under, underneath this ninja mask. I didn't think that way. I'm hoping that. Ah, uh, gotcha. There's a there's a difference. But yeah, he, he counted Ichini san. I'm like, oh yeah, it's I'm sure that was really difficult to learn for the the American person that was under this gimmick, but I don't know. It, what it's just a waste of time, isn't it? I don't know. Mike, uh you you have the floor. I've got nothing to add. I mean it was like watching some bad roadrunner cartoon that no one got the reference of i feel right like yeah it's filler you know it it gives them a chance to reset get everybody out of the ring get the next group ready i mean take it for what it is it's part of the show it's almost like a commercial break that we don't have right so our women's survivor series matches up next with team raw lacey evans peyton royce lana Shayna, and naya taking on team smackdown consisting of bailey ruby riot Liv morgan bianca belair and natalia Nia and Shayna have convinced the rest of the team to not tag Lana in during the match. And we have Belair and Natalia working together for a double delayed vertical suplex doing squats on Peyton Royce. We get some huge kicks from Shayna onto Ruby, one catching her right in the head. Nia tags in against Liv, but Lana tags herself in. Um, no mention of Liv and Lana as former lovers. Um which I don't know if it's even worth mentioning. Lana tags in with her former partner, Natalia, and Lana actually is doing pretty well. She's competitive, and she scores some near falls. Lana tags herself back out, but Shayna and Naya start yelling at her, telling her to stay in the corner like a child. So Lana is standing on the steps in the corner, and she starts crying. And at some point, her lipstick got smeared. So it really looks like she's a sad little kid who just like found the cookie jar and is like being punished in the, in the, in the corner here. Everybody is on the floor. Bailey climbs up top with Peyton Royce and then Peyton hits a big superplex from the corner, sending both of them onto the pile below. Royce brings Bailey back into the ring and then hits her finish. Deja vu eliminating Bailey, which is, uh, which the announcers kind of promote as the biggest elimination, maybe even singular pinfall for Peyton Royce. So Peyton is in the ring with Natalia. She applies a half crab. Natalia then attempts some sort of odd submission or pin attempt with with her legs. And then it doesn't work out. So she gives up on it and just locks in the sharpshooter to eliminate Royce. Natalia attempts a sharpshooter to Shayna. But Lacey hits the woman's right and pins her. So Team Raw now has a three on four advantage. A big top rope Spanish fly from Evans to Belair. Riot Squad break up that pin. The Riot Squad then both team up to try to knock Nia down. And they're, they're not successful at all working alone, but working together um, allows them to, uh, you know, um, get, get the advantage on Nia Jax. Shayna locks in the Kirifuda clutch on Riot, but Riot has Shayna pinned. And the ref misses the cover. And while she's in the clutch, Riot actually passes out. So Shayna pins her for the elimination. Team Raw is up now 4-2. to two. Liv hits a crucifix bomb onto Lacey. 
Uh, but it's a little odd as they delay the announcement, and instead they focus on Shayna and Nia admonishing Lana in the corner. So Liv pins Lacey. Liv is now in with Lana as Nia ends a barrage of strikes from Liv with the Samoan drop. Bianca Belair is now all alone against Shayna, Nia, and Lana. Belair, I thought, just looked amazing here. She did some flips, some kip-ups. She, to me, looked like a, a video game here against Nia Jax. Baszler locks in the clutch to Belair as Belair struggles and fights to get to her feet. She, she passes out as she falls into the ropes. Shayna refuses to release the hold, and Shayna is DQ'd. At this point, Nia clears the table and grabs a lifeless Belair. They're both fighting a countout. Belair throws Nia over the barricade. Uh, Belair is trying to make it back into the ring in time, but she doesn't. So both her and Nia Jax get counted out. And the sole survivor of the match is Lana, who wins it for Team Raw. 23 minutes, 20 seconds. You know, we all wondered what the big Lana spot would be in this match. And this ended up being it. Standing on the corner, um, being the sole survivor. What did you think of the match, Mike? It was terrible. This was such a waste of talent. There's so many good wrestlers in this match. And any other way you could have done this. You could have the Riot Squad come out as challengers for the tag titles. Easily. Easily in this, right? And you still could have had Lana come out. Be the sole survivor. Just pin somebody, right? Terrible, terrible booking. I thought it was embarrassing. This was like... I don't, is this like a rib? What the hell is this that they're doing? I don't understand. They just seem to like, man. So, I mean, going into this match, it was certainly Lana that received the most storyline out of anybody. Um, and they just, for whatever reason, think this is a great way of promoting Lana as a baby face. And I'm totally with you, Mike. I think coming out of this, you, you know, they did some pretty good work here with Bianca Belair. I would say even Liv Morgan, even Peyton Royce, you know, with her eliminating, yeah. eliminating Bailey, they did some good work with it. But the follow through at the end um, kind of makes a lot of that pretty moot in that you don't really think about it afterwards. I think putting everything in here just to set up Lana in this storyline was a big waste of something that, you know, of people that could actually be title contenders. And Lana, I just, uh, I just don't know. I really don't know. What about you, WH? Um, I'll agree. Like I thought the booking of this, this whole match was like terrible, but you know, some of the in-ring stuff I thought was really good. I thought the ride squad, like constantly tagging in and out to go after Nijax. And like, I think Mike could completely correct. Like they could have easily set them up as, as being the next challenger for the tag team titles. Um, and that was just wasted. And Bianca Belair looked amazing at the end of the, the match, but the booking itself was just really weird and, and really stupid because i like you know I, I i don't follow what's happening with lana so like you know seeing that video package of her constantly getting like run through the tables by nia Jax, i just keep thinking is this punishment for for rusev leaving and going to aw that's that's my initial thought i i don't know what the the actual rationale behind all this stuff is with her and nia Jax's, but you know like you know it's just like the end it's just like well you just invalidated the last 18 minutes of this match, you know, leading up to this Lana win. And it, it just, it just kind of throws everyone under the bus, in my opinion, <laughs> even like Nia Jax, who was like made to look like a super monster in this match. But, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, like, I think Corey Graves had this really good line of something Peyton did. And then he said, Oh, that's like a perfect 10 right there. Like a reference to oh. her, her husband and something like that. But, you know, 
you know, Peyton, I gotta say, she 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 put on this single leg crab, and I thought this is more like a single leg jellyfish because it's so fucking weak. And it looks terrible. Who who trained her? Was it was it Lance Storm? It was. Yeah, that's why I, she did. I, it. I, I I hope he called her and said, Peyton, just just you know, lock it in better before you ever use any of my moves. That's all. Didn't they make Didn't they make a comment that it was you could only learn that move north of the border? Yes, he did. They did. And 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 I mean, they were they brought they brought attention to it that she didn't get it on right. Right. And that whenever uh, Natalia did that was like almost like a surfboard attempt that she was going for. Yeah, and then Peyton, po- Peyton popped out. Then she just like stomped on her, like, like <laughs> stiff and then put the sharpshooter on her. Yeah. And I got to make one note about Bailey's like new Capri pants. I just want to say she wears them way better than juice Robinson wears his Capri pants. All right. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that they were even wearing Capri pants. Is it? Um, okay. Our main event, Drew McIntyre takes on Roman Reigns. It's a battle of the two champions. Uh, what did you guys think of the decision to do the Undertaker thing on the main event and not this? I'm not surprised well, at all. No, no. It kind of made sense with, with how it all ended. I mean, if that was in the middle of the show going on for... Was it half an hour almost? Yeah, it was pretty long. From start to finish? I mean, those poor guys. If they had to go after that, it would have been a lot for those two guys, I think, to. I I preferred it this way. Like, you know, get all the wrestling out of the way. And then, you know, the rest of it almost felt felt like almost like a dark match type of segment or almost a a completely different show. So we have Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Drew again appears with the kilt and sword that Sheamus brought him on Monday. The start is very slow, I would say, between these two. Uh, early on, Drew even injures a right hand. Roman controls him with chin locks and short elbows. It's a very slow controlling pace from Roman, who at this point is almost wrestling more like Randy Orton than his you know, old babyface self. Drew finally fights back. Roman sets up a Superman punch. Drew meets him with the spine buster for two. Roman says, you're always going to be number two. As he receives a Glasgow kiss from McIntyre, Spear from Reigns is countered with a Future Shock DDT from Drew for two. Drew sets up a Claymore, but instead eats a Superman punch. A Spear from Roman is again countered with a Rolling Kimura from McIntyre. So McIntyre just has repeated counters to the Spear from Roman. Um, On the floor, McIntyre runs at Reigns, who catches him with a Samoan drop on the announce table. It doesn't break the first time, so he just does it one more time, and it breaks the second time. Back in the ring... Another spear through a barricade, or, or uh, Roman Spears uh, drew through a barricade, and then back in the ring, Drew kicks out at two. Drew goes for a claymore, but Reigns counters with the spear. Drew kicks out again. Roman looks at Joe and says, Samoa Joe, that is, uh, and says, You've seen this before. He prepares another spear, but this time it's again met with a claymore, sending Roman to the referee who falls to the outside. Jey Uso at this point runs in. Drew sends him back out. Roman hits a low blow. Jay hits a super kick. Roman then hits a Superman punch. And then a guillotine. With the new referee back into the ring, Drew McIntyre passes out as Roman Reigns wins. Roman Reigns wins at 24 minutes and 50 seconds. What do you think of the match, WH? Yeah, I thought the, the last half of it was pretty good. But 
everything before that was kind of dull because Drew McIntyre is dull as shit. And uh, like, this is the first time I've seen this new uh, kilt and sword gimmick, and I was howling. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> what the fuck is he doing? He's he's inserting it into the stage. Is he is he unlocking the power of Grayskull or something? I don't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like it's the opposite of Excalibur, where you draw Excalibur out of the stone to become King England. He's inserting it to become like the number two guy in the WWE after Roman. Cause that's exactly what he is. He's number two. Roman is the top guy in that company as rightfully he should be. And, and Drew is just a, a sad number two who just bores me to tears. He's the new Randy Orton. Like I, I find Randy Orton to be completely dull and I find Drew McIntyre. It can be completely dull. Even this new sword gimmick it makes me laugh. Sorry. But I hate to call it a, a real gimmick. I mean, it's certainly him coming out with it, but it's also long-term build for the Sheamus storyline because that's how that's how he won the title supposedly on Monday was with this added motivation of like his family kilt and family sword that Sheamus imported all the way from from Scotland on Monday. So I think that's why they're doing it. Um, now you know, is there wait, any? But wait, Sheamus is Irish, right? Sheamus is Irish, yeah. But I mean, they know each other. I guess they know people. Would They're... it make sense to get another Scottish wrestler to to do this storyline with him? Well, like who? No, they know each other's mother or something, isn't it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it's like, why would the Irish guy like know like people in Scotland? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that's not that unusual. But this, the idea is that they used to tag team together. Like that's what they're trying to convey in story. Is that like they they used to be in the same scene? And I think to like a casual North American fan, it's like it's all the same. Like it's or at least it's similar <laughs> enough that like they can get away with it, you know. Uh, Mike, what do you think of the match? I thought the match was decent. Uh, it it went a little long. I liked how they they measured themselves at the beginning. Uh, the finish was good to try and get out of it, right? And and making something set up for later on, whenever that day is. Yeah. The swords. The sword is dumb. The gauntlets are dumb. I, I hate to break it to you. Sorry. Uh, hey, I'm not. I'm not going to say it's the best thing ever. Okay, it's not incredible, but I like it. I like the fact that it's leading up to the Seamus thing. You know, it's it's simply to me a reminder of that. I I thought the match was like definitely lived up to the hype of a big match, but I found it very slow starting. And you know, depending on your interest and hype in in, in this match, I think that'll depend. Uh, your interest will, will vary. For me, it got a little too boring. Like, you know, the like the Randy Orton type of boring, which isn't always a good thing. I will say I thought I was very pleased by the fact that they actually gave us a finish for this one. Despite, of course, it was a heel cheating to win, but it was a pinfall on Drew McIntyre nonetheless, which I thought was, you know, somewhat bold of them actually to do. Uh, but, of course, this might also set up the stage for some future revenge from Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns. They also did not resort at all to The Miz and the Money in the Bank cash-in, which I was also pretty happy to see. So, after the match, Jay meets Roman Buck back up at the top of the ramp. Roman gives him a big hug and then welcomes him back to the family. Finally, our main event, our real main event, is The Undertaker's Farewell. This was well past the three-hour mark of the pay-per-view. Uh, we start off with here with Mike Rome introducing a bunch of people. Shane McMahon's here. The Big Show is here. JBL, Jeff Hardy, who comes up with the Taker logo painted on his face. Mick Foley. And then the members of 
BSK, the Bone Street crew, which Cole actually identifies them by. We have the Godfather. We have both members of the Godwins, including a brand new Godwins Titantron. Savio Vega is here. Rikishi is here. And then we have more legends in Kevin Nash, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and finally, the mayor of Knox County himself, Kane, in full Kane gear. <laughs> they play a video music showing highlights of his career set to Now That We're Dead by Metallica, uh, featuring a number of clips about, from other legends speaking about him, including John Cena, Austin, Sean, and Triple H. We're back in the ring, and for some reason, like, I thought in my head, like, all these legends are all going to say something about Taker. Like, this was some sort of, like, you know, yeah. this is your life type of thing. But the legends are all gone all of a sudden at this point. And instead, it's Vince McMahon who was alone in the ring. Vince says after 30 years, after all the injuries he's endured while entertaining this global audience from the WWF to now the WWE, tonight marks the end of a storied career that will never be duplicated. They say nothing will last forever, but the legacy of The Undertaker will live on eternally. As Vince introduces the dead man, the phenom, The Undertaker. Lights go out, his logo appears on the screen with electric bolts running through it. And then we get this, like, chiptune <laughs> remix of The it's Undertaker. like Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo theme. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was supposed to represent, like, the way electricity sounds. Like, it sounded buzzy. <laughs> Is, was that the idea? It it sounded like they had a few times where there's a little bit of technical difficulties in this uh, entrance. I thought, but yeah, it was it was interesting. So Taker comes out. He's in full gear, of course, and this is a full entrance. They've even got fire shooting up through the stands in the Thunderdome. He stands at the steps as he levitates up on the apron on some sort of platform, which I thought looked kind of cool. We hear the can chants of Undertaker along with the rest of this artificial crowd noise. Taker grabs the mic and he says, for 30 years, I've made that slow walk to this ring and have laid people to rest time and time again. And now my time has come. They pipe in more thank you, Taker chants. And Taker's last words of his storied career are, my time has come to let the Undertaker rest in peace. And as he says peace, they try to match it with like canned audio of the crowd also yelling peace. But for some reason, like, I don't know if like he, they hit, dude hit it twice, but like it says, like, it's like the crowd's like peace, peace, and then it just cuts off. Like, so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Super weird. Taker does his pose as a hologram of Paul Bearer appears holding an urn on the Titantron. Taker then stands in the ring with the spotlight as the gong sounds 10 times. And then he does a slow walk back up the ramp, lifts his fizz up, fist up for a big pyro display, and that's it. So, um, you know, unfortunately, no other speeches from anybody else who made made appearances. All the speeches, I suppose, took place in private last night at the hotel bar. Um, and instead, we just had Vince McMahon and the Taker basically cutting a Taker promo. So, Mike, what do you think of that? Uh, the way it was set up, when everybody came out and no one said anything, I'm, not only did it take forever, but... When everyone was gone, I thought for sure, this is an angle. They're setting this up for an angle. Like, we haven't seen Bray tonight. What's going on? Nope. All in character. All kayfabe. That was it. I was disappointed. Mike? Or WH, I mean. Well, like, all the legends coming out, like, 
you know, before Undertaker comes out, before Vince McMahon comes out, it's like it's like the anti Chekhov's gun, you know, like the whole notion that you have you have a gun in a play, that gun's going to be you know factoring into into the into the story later on. Okay, I thought they're going to do something with these guys. Why why drag them all out down down, the, down from the back into the ring, and they they did nothing with them. And I I was just like, why did we just waste like what fifteen minutes on these entrances and there's nothing to it. And then the Undertaker just comes out, and you know, I, I, I suppose the highlight was really the uh, the video package. It's always nice to see like someone's you know career, like thirty years too. It's pretty impressive. But at, the, at you know, at the end of the day, I was just like, God, when's this going to be over? Because I was just bored out of my mind. Like, I'm not a huge Undertaker fan. There are points of his career that I like a lot, but I've never been like someone who's been like a you know like a super fan of the Undertaker. Thought, oh my God, he's such a legend. I I, I, he's the epitome of what I love about the WBF, WWE. He's never been that for me. So for me, I was just like waiting for this to be over, to be honest with you. You know, part of me really wonders like what, what the, like, cause we've seen them do these sort of like, you know, farewell, like this is your life type of retirement things. And some, some of them we have taken place like in, in the dark segments. Sometimes they've taken place in, in live segments and they would typically have people coming out to speak. Most recently they did the yep. triple H, like, what is it? Thirty years is was that was that what that was or twenty five years uh, Triple H celebration? And I mean, even for that, they had people give speeches. You know, they had Road Dog and, and Vince. Even here, it was like I imagine they might have kind of struggled with the idea of how do we have genuine speeches from people talking about this guy when we have somebody who plays such a cartoonish character? You know, like how do you go from uh Phineas Godwin talking about hey remember all those times on the road we had oh man you you're such a, you're so great to supposedly a zombie coming out um to say goodbye in character i wonder if there was anything there and if so i i i feel like there would have been a better way of doing it i mean like even in the video package you had Austin you had Taker there were, you know even like Vince saying like what he said i think for me the appeal of these sort of like you know goodbye segment is genuine emotion, you know, genuine emotion from from people who truly knew the, this guy for years, for all the people that spent so much time with The Undertaker. And you had all the setup here of guys like Sean or Triple H or whoever just being able to, like, say out loud their final words to this person, at least on screen. And we didn't get any of it. Um, and instead, we didn't even really get a heartfelt message from The Undertaker. Yes, it's the character. I don't know how you would have been able to kind of manage to have Mark Calloway speak as well as, you know, having the character say goodbye. Um, but by the end, I just felt like it was, it felt very scripted, understandably so, because it was, it's a scripted character, but not satisfying enough on sort of like that authenticity level. You've got, you're exactly right. I mean, we've had Mark Calloway speaking on the Austin podcast. We've had Mark Calloway all over, but he's, he's been on it before. We've had Mark Calloway all over like social media these days, right? Like he's, he's Mark Calloway. Now this is what we know. He's kind of stepped back and taken away the mystique in the last ride. I mean, that was a big hit. I'm sure tons of people watch that show, right? I mean, we, we've, the one guy that kind of never broke kayfabe is breaking kayfabe for the last at least year solid. Right. And, you gave it away for free. Like if this is really the last time that Mark Calloway is going to be the undertaker and he walks down that ramp and you got that big entrance 
you know, people love that entrance and people would pay to see it one more time in six months or in a year, you know, when, when we've got vaccines, let's say when we got uh, big crowds again for, for events, they would sell tickets, they would sell merch. This was like, you could even use this on raw to pop a rating if you wanted to, I think, but to do it here, I know it's the date, a business decision though. It seems like it was a waste. WH, you think we've seen the last of the undertaker? No, I don't think so. I think you still have the hall of fame for this guy. I think, you know, like to Mike's point, I, I think, you know, if people want to see that entrance live, they're going to see it. They're going to see it at the hall of fame ceremony when they have people allowed to come back into arenas. They're definitely going to have it, you know, at WrestleMania, like when they, you know, when he goes to the hall of fame, they'll have that the, the, the separate HOF ceremony and then they'll have him coming out to WrestleMania to, to say goodbye in front of a crowd, you know, why they, they did this, now I, I agree with Mike. I don't know why it seems like a complete waste of you know time and energy to to have it in front of from the Thunderdome. There's no one in the crowd. Like they piped in, like chance. Thank you, Taker. It's it's just it came off really cheesy. I thought, and because it, it's it's very inauthentic. It's very unorganic, and it it just kind of plays up the artifice of both the current WWE product. And I suppose it's, it's kind of symbolic of like the undertaker himself. Like, yeah, hey, he's a zombie mortician. Oh, but he later became a, a biker guy. And then he became a more, you know, a zombie again. And who shoots lightning out of his fingers. I suppose that's, if anything, the undertaker is kind of like the epitome of the kind of like what kind of product the WWF WWE has put on for the last 30 years as well. I feel like they certainly would have felt pressure to do something for this like 30th anniversary thing, right? For The Undertaker, just as a way to hook people to try to order this pay-per-view. And, you know, at this point, like the best you could really come up with is this, you know, quote unquote farewell. But in the end, I think all the people that are skeptical are absolutely right to be because honestly, it doesn't mean shit. Like the next time they need him for Saudi Arabia, I definitely think they'll, they'll reconsider um, that entrance you're going to get. Like time and time again, you know, they can claim that he'll never wrestle again, but he'll probably come out to do this entrance again for some reason. Uh, certainly, like you guys mentioned, for the Hall of Fame, uh, maybe for some other things, too. So I, I I personally don't don't really see this as much more than like sort of an excuse to pop a pay-per-view, I guess, uh, network buy. And also maybe as an excuse for Taker and his friends to have uh, a party the night before uh, at the hotel room, um, which looked Oh, like a lot of fun, judging by some of these photos. All right, at this point, we want to hear from all of you guys in the Zoom chat room. So if you have any thoughts, uh, if you want to speak to Mike and WH for any other reason, please raise your hand up right now. We will get to your phone call. Uh, before we do that, though, we go to the forum to see what you guys thought about Survivor Series. Out of 10, the forum gave this show a 5.79. What are, what are your ratings, Mike and WH? Um, I'll give it a four and a half. Mike. I'm going to give it a six and a half. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Some of the matches were pretty decent. I think I go six and a half as well. Hanzi, you are first on the line. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Uh, what's up, uh, Mike and, uh, uh, what's the, oh, is the first time I've been able to talk to you. So what's, it's an honor, sir. Uh, well, um, no, I thought the, I thought the pay-per-view was, uh, 
I, I thought it was fairly a uh, fairly good. I, I didn't really like the the women the women and men's match. And like there's people on Twitter like going like, uh, "Oh, how would you have booked it? How how could you keep people strong?" It's like when Oscar was a sole survivor like a couple of years ago, we didn't question like, "Oh, everyone on the team that she beat didn't look strong or anything like that." So I just don't get why they would do that. I just thought it, it was an easy way to get Bianca more over and kind of build her up. And then you could have just had her and Bailey kind of like, you know, like be the two last survivors while they tease a feud. But uh, with, with the Drew and Roman Reigns, that's probably one of the better matches during this pandemic era. I do want to see that match again. Um, it kind of, this is how people think that this match was the first time we saw it. I totally forgot that this match happened at a WrestleMania already. And that's how forgettable that match was with the characters and all that. This time it was like, way way better i thought the intensity was awesome um and the you know only like hansi just to that point i think i i mean i definitely don't even think about it that much that these two have already had that you know rivalry before too but i think it just goes to show how reinvented both of them are at this point you know and and what reinvention does for characters because they they just completely breathe new life into perhaps a match to the point where you don't even remember their first match no, 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 exactly. That's why um, initially when they, they said it was going to be Randy Orton and Roman Reigns, I was curious to where that was going to go because they're both different characters, even though like WA said it before, like Orton's kind of been boring. But I think this year Orton has kind of upped his game. Um, you know, he's become much more interesting, but I thought it was a good choice between Reigns and Drew. Uh, I'll say this with the, with the Undertaker thing before I go. The only thing that I was actually really happy about, because I didn't really care, because I knew it was not going to be Undertaker's last farewell or anything like that. I was happy to see Savio Vega and the Godwins again. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you. Yo, guy, again, guys, great show, by the way. Thank you, Hansi, as always. Thanks, we go back to the forums now. Uh, let's go to Jesse from Montreal, who has some feedback. He says... Banks versus Asuka was the highlight for me, but I was pleasantly surprised by the five-on-five matches. I thought they told coherent stories. I don't watch main roster TV, so it's been a long time since I've seen Peyton Royce, and I think she's improved considerably. Roman's matches with Jay were great because they were more focused on acting than wrestling. I thought that style failed tonight. I thought Roman versus McIntyre was ploddingly slow. The ending segment was stupid. There aren't any fans here. What's the point? What was the point of flying in all those old wrestlers? They didn't do anything. Vince needs to stop dyeing his hair and also plucking his eyebrows. Ultimately, I felt no goosebumps nor nostalgia. Undertaker's Blue Lives Matter, White Power, Biker Gang, and Feebled Rickety Ass should have pieced out a long time ago. Wow. Take care. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse. My man. We got a mugging up next who says, It's been a long time since I've seen a Survivor Series elimination match. Have a team pitch a shout out. It was decent. Keith Lee getting a new theme and his own lyrics is a massive upgrade. New Day and Profits was a tag team, was tag team black excellence. Montez Ford in particular was tremendous as the baby fist in peril, and it was refreshing to see Kofi and Woods lean heel in this match. So unsurprisingly, Sasha and Asuka had another terrific match in their catalog. The Women's Survivor Series elimination match was messy. Lana not working a single second of the match to win via double count was perplexing. Roman and Drew took a while to get going, and when it did, it took off with authority. Undertaker making a walk one final time was moving. It was a hell of a run that spanned three decades, and I love the hologram of Paul Bearer. It was a nice touch to the swan song, despite having zero audience hurting the atmosphere. Finally, we go to Paul, who says, Thing is, 
even with the crab there, the actual send-off, I don't think, would be much different. Taker wouldn't have broken character, and maybe his friends would be outside of the ring, but he wouldn't be celebrating on camera. But at the same time, potentially seeing real fans in the building crying would have made all the difference. As we are about to get out of here, I want to thank everybody for joining us live in the chat room. We go to one more phone call from Brandon in New Jersey. Brandon, if you can figure out how to unmute yourself for the 50th time. (laughs) (laughs) It's an honor and a privilege to to, uh, Movember's own uh, Mike Murray and... uh... (laughs) And WH, Mike, what's going on? Nice jersey, you man. Sh- you should see uh, WH's mustache. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Incredible. Um, uh, yes, the show is a show that I. <laughs> Did you actually watch it? I I caught the Roman match, and, and, and it was all right. I mean, I mean. People bigged it up like it was uh, going to be this epic uh, battle of the two uh, champions. And uh, I mean, I, I I watched some of it and I, I woke up and uh, it was over and I saw uh, a <laughs> Paul Bear hologram. <laughs> Brandon, was, was it as good as like Bob Sapp and fucking Wrestle Circus or what? Nah, man, that Bob Sapp uh, running last night was uh, incredible for Fight Circus Part Two, uh, setting up for Part Three. Uh, he really busted a nut like, on John Nutt last night with that left and the right combo. Can you explain but, uh, this? What, is, what what's up with this? What is this Fight Circus thing? It's a it's a hybrid MMA slash comedy uh, show in Thailand and uh, run by. Did you a, say? Did you say MMA comedy show? Yeah, essentially, and uh, it was just it, they have wacky like types of uh, fights. Like I guess they had this uh, regular guy who makes kebabs in in Thailand versus two brothers named <laughs> and, uh, the two brothers lost. Sounds like the a- uh, sounds like the MMA version of GCW. <laughs> so wait, some guy that some guy that makes kebabs beat two brothers. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I see Eric's on here. Eric's got to explain this to me. So, but I, I didn't know it was, I thought it was on next weekend after Thanksgiving, but apparently it was on last night during, during the, they went up against the UFC, uh, which is incredible. But, uh, and it might've been the better show actually. You, you, might, it, it was, it, you, you might've remembered the, the date of uh, fight circus. If you weren't, you and Mike weren't like waxing poetically about your fucking Jersey collections. It's Captain Giggles himself here. I love it. Yeah, but, uh, I thought the <laughs> I thought tonight's show was a show, right? <laughs> I, I wasn't the lone survivor. Okay, well, you might be now. You might be now. <laughs> well, uh, Brandon, what are you? How are you? What are you going to do? Uh, you know, Toronto's going into a second lockdown. What are your plans? This is interrupt what you know. You can't go to the mall anymore, the Dufferin Mall, or anything like that. <laughs> go to Yorkdale. <laughs> Is York well, yeah, you have to go to the, the to York region, I guess. Outside of Ontario, you can go. Uh, you can go and, and do your thing. It's not a total lockdown out there, but uh, I mean, eventually it will, right? I think Nunavut's still open. <laughs> <laughs> Might be too cold for my for my taking, for my liking. 
but uh yeah that's all i got uh i love you guys uh around the corner uh you know all right but you know okay <laughs> i love you guys i'm out of here we appreciate you as always brandon glad we can get your voice on with uh these this this wonderful uh, uh roster we have joining us and i want to thank mike murray and of course wh park for all of your tireless efforts in watching the show and then talking about it for another hour and a half with me um i know you guys kind of alluded to it but like uh what what else what are you guys gonna do like next week what are we gonna do next week for work you mean yeah or or, or just for like shits and giggles uh we're in life yeah you know i'm still doing rehab still doing oh, physio yes. How's that going, right? by the way? It's it's doing it's doing okay. I've eased back into work, right, just in time for the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Or lockdown. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try and get the store kind of just keep people working who want to work. Um, help anyone that we can. Try and fill out those Christmas wish lists, right? You know, it so was it, it was packed. You know what? We we both were there yesterday, and there was like a lineup like all day to get in on Saturday, right? From eleven thirty to six thirty. So for people unaware, Mike runs a bookstore in the city called BMV Books. And uh, right now, I guess uh, a store like yours has to shut down and are really just kind of rely on curbside pickup. So if people yeah. perhaps wanted to buy a book for somebody on a Christmas, where would be they be able to find all that information? Uh, you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at BMV Books Annex. Uh, we'll have any you know, shots of photos of what you're looking for. You can message us. It'll have a direct line for shooting us an email. If you're looking for something other than that, it's pretty much, it's going to be in person. I mean, we're still pretty uh, 20th century there. We don't really have an online presence for selling stuff from the store. No, it is nonetheless, my favorite bookstore in the city, the best bookstore in Toronto. And um, you might even see WH parked there from time to time. So where can, where can people find you WH? Uh, well, they can find me at postwrestling.com. I have like uh, Post Perez uh, coming up. Uh, I do have like John's not going to be joining me in the next uh, Post Perez for December, but I have a guest lined up. We'll announce that when the time is right. Also, like this week, I'm actually going to be recording the new Long and Windy Roll Road. I don't want to announce the guest who it is or what the match we're going to talk about, but that's going to happen this week. And then we'll release that for uh, December as well and yeah like so i got you know post perez and the long one year royal road keep me busy got all this wrestling from japan to watch i, I gotta do a lot of catch-up way so like kind of lockdown's not so bad for me um but i you know i'll be going into work some some time i'm gonna be contacting mike right after we're done here and saying hey what days am i working <laughs> but yeah but other than that at wh park nine if you want all my hot takes about capri pants and like the cycling shorts of tomohiro ishii at WH Park Nine, at Scarborough Dad for Mike Murray, I'm at Way0937. So tomorrow I will be joined for Rewind to Raw uh, to talk about all the follow up from Survivor Series with Nate Milton himself. He'll be joining me as well on Wednesday. I'll be rejoined by Bruce Lord and uh, Friday, John Ceno, as we give one more week's break to John Pollock as he enjoys uh, the, the wonders of being a brand new girl dad. So send your well wishes to him. In fact, 
You will be hearing from John Pollock this Tuesday on our latest edition of Rewind Away. We'll be talking about ECW Anarchy Rules. That, of course, is a pre-tape that we did before everything last week. So uh, if you want to get your feedback in there, though, you could do that right now in the forum, and I'll probably read it and upload it and include it in the show at some point. But you, uh, for those really missing John, you get a brand new John Pollock show this coming Tuesday on the Cafe feed. So thank you for joining me, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.